Hey guys, this is Dondry. This is Elizabeth. Welcome, Welcome to Broad Roots, the podcast for and about women of color. First and foremost, Elizabeth and I want to thank you guys for being such loyal listeners and apologize for the brief hiatus we've had between episodes. You know that we have always, from the very beginning, talked about life and realness and how things affect our day-to-day, and shit got real. We had to take a break. Yeah, the both of us have just been dealing with a lot personally, professionally, and Um, physically, mentally, emotionally, and we've been really trying our best to do diligence and continue the podcast because we all know how important consistency is to a successful product. But at the end of the day, we really couldn't move forward at the sacrifice and um, by compromising our own health and wellness. And so um, we've taken a long time to kind of talk through and try to figure out how it is that we want to move forward and the both of us decided that this will actually be the last episode of the season of the season (laughs) not the last episode of Broadwoods ever that would be super sad and we are very committed to this but we really need time to work on ourselves and furthermore to be able to deliver a really amazing podcast to you guys because we are really striving to deliver high quality and top-notch interviews and information and storytelling to you guys. And we feel that because it's been, you know, the first season, each episode has really been kind of like an experimentation, for lack of a better word, because we're constantly trying. It's trial and error. And so we really want to take time to to brainstorm and work through exactly what it is that we want to do moving forward so that we can come back season two with like excellent stories, interviews, and all the stuff that you guys want to hear. We are not going to be stuck in the fray. We are not those kinds of broads. So Elizabeth, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck is happening? Okay, so what the fuck is going on in the world of writing? Because there is some bullshit going on over there. So... Last week, there was a conference called the Brisbane Writers Festival, and there was this author who did the keynote, Lionel Schreiber. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She wrote the book, We Need to Talk About Kevin, which was turned into a really cool movie that is super intense and dramatic and really well done, and now I'm completely second-guessing my feelings about it because she is an ignorant white female, and... In her keynote, she basically delivered this speech where she started talking about the limitations of fiction and how fiction is supposed to be an outlet to explore stories that are unbeknownst to the writer. You don't necessarily have to have experienced something to be able to write about it, which is cool. I get it. Use your imagination. That's all good. But then she started going off about cultural appropriation and sensitivity and how she doesn't understand why you know these students on this college campus got in trouble for like having a Mexican themed or tequila themed party and wearing sombreros and like just basically completely not understanding the historical context and why cultural appropriation is so significant and why it is offensive and this bitch went up on stage and like she wore a sombrero like what 
are you doing? What are you doing? What the fuck? And so, of course, like Twitter went crazy. And Celeste Ng, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's NG. She's a great writer. Um, she wrote this book called Everything I Never Told You, which I recommend to everybody. Um, it's kind of like this... Um, this book about a family dealing with the loss of their daughter and it's a like half Asian, half white couple and kind of just dealing with like the racial stuff having to do with that um, loss and, and grief. And she took to Twitter and was just like putting this woman in her place and just talking about how not only is she completely like dismissing and ignoring, you know, like I said, this historical context for cultural appropriation, but also it's like, you can do these things and you can be sensitive, you know, it's like, you don't have, it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts and, and see like what you thought, because I know that we've also talked a lot about what it means to be women of color and to tell our own stories and how important that is and how, what, Lionel Shriver's talking about kind of completely negates that because there's also a really big access component to this. So it's like white people get to tell our stories, but then we don't get to tell our own. Like how many Native American writers do you have? Like how many Asian American writers do you have telling and writing about their own experience, whether it's nonfiction or fictional? Well, I feel like the the thing here is twofold, right? I feel mm -hmm. like Yes, as a writer, um, as a skilled writer, you should be able to write an experience outside of your own. You should be able to write, you know, <clears throat> different characters, different experiences, because overall, like as an artist, you're really your goal is to really be telling a story of the human experience. Right. For the most part. Um, so I get what she's saying there. However, the issue with cultural appropriation and what she is so glaringly missing is her own, like the the ignorance of it. Of course you can have a tequila-themed party. The issue lies in the fact that you think a tequila-themed party also needs to include sombreros because you are so limited in mm -hmm. your thinking that those two things automatically go hand in hand. And you think that, to prove your point, like wearing a sombrero does something when really what it does is show how limited your thinking is mm -hmm. and that is what a lot of white people don't get or and not even just white people people who culturally appropriate which can be anyone mm -hmm. right and like uh, what people don't get is that like it, it's it's so limited in that way like the like the, the washington redskins like mm -hmm. wearing a native american headdress and and you know like what the fuck is that mm -hmm. you know what i mean like something that you saw in a cartoon and that is your own limited perception mm -hmm. of what it means to be native american like you know the same as you know what it means to be african-american is like you know, gum smacking and net pocket popping and like, you know, wearing giant mm -hmm. gold earrings to some people. That is where the issue lies. It's like if you don't it's it's like Crystal said last night. Um it's very it's fine. It's absolutely fine to say I don't know enough about this topic to discuss it. It's fine to say 
you know what? You know, I know we're having this, you know, Cinco de Mayo party. I don't know enough about Cinco de Mayo to lay out costumes for people. So let me just, uh, tequila's okay. Mm-hmm. Salt and lime should be okay. You know, let me, let, let me do some fucking research then yep. if I'm going to try to be appropriate and let me not because it is not as offensive to me assume that it is not offensive to others and which brings me to my like what the fuck is happening which is everybody's response to the whole um Colin Kaepernick situation Mm -hmm. it's like okay so this American (laughs) this this American decides to peacefully protest something exercise their rights to to exercise his right and peacefully protest not even in in a in a completely self-contained kind of way i'm gonna just not stand up right now like i'm not gonna make a big stink i'm not gonna refuse to play i'm not going to ruin everybody's game i'm just gonna like chill for a second and it's all this bullshit. It's it, he feels this way about his country. He's disrespecting veterans. He's disrespecting this person. He's disrespecting that person. And it's like, how many of you motherfuckers know Francis Scott Key? Like, how many of you ha- remember that history lesson? How many of you know all the words, all the words, mm-hmm. not just the ones that that are, are, are sung like at at the fucking games and in the stadiums? How many of you know the words? How many of you go through life being accused of being non-unpatriotic to a country that is slaughtering you, that does not, has shown time and time and time and time and time again to not give a fuck about you? Like, even if you take police brutality out of it, you can look at Katrina, Mm -hmm. you can look at Ferguson, you can look at Flint. And say, this is a country who blatantly doesn't give a fuck about me. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I do that? Would you tell your girlfriend to, like, keep going back to the, the dude that keeps hitting her and keeps telling her that he doesn't want her, but because, he, you know, he's got the money or the house or she lives with him, like, it's supposed to be okay? It's a, she's supposed to suffer in silence? And this is indicative of a big, bigger issue in the country where everyone wants everyone else to suffer in silence so that they don't have to feel discomfort. Mm-hmm. The person, the woman across the street that you see with black eyes every day that you hear out the window that you know something's going on, but you're going to mind your business because you don't want to feel uncomfortable. That child who comes to school every day and sits in your classroom and falls asleep and you can look at them and tell they haven't eaten for a couple of days, but like you don't want to get involved because mm-hmm. like it can make things worse. It's sometimes... You have to get involved. And if you're a coward, if you're not the type to get involved, don't hate on somebody else for having balls that you don't have. My thing with it is that this is a constant pattern, and this is just one example of the way that white Americans have the luxury of being able to exercise certain rights and privileges that when other people, other people who are not white but are also Americans, try to do, it's a problem. Well, because it, it, it threatens something. It's that, it's that same thing where it's like, if you have something equal to me, then that threatens my share mm-hmm. of it. That threatens what I have. And no one wants to feel like they're racist. The most 
racist people I have ever encountered my in my life would tell you that they're not racist because no one wants to have that word everybody knows it's fucked up right mm-hmm. so no one wants to feel that way because because then to them they're like oh that means that I'm a bad person well I'm not a bad person so clearly I can't be racist mm-hmm. I'm not an evil person so clearly I can't be racist that is bullshit mm-hmm. when you look at someone else and you decide that your freedoms, your liberties, your life, what you have to say is more important than that person's, then that's exactly what you've done. And how often do people do that every day of the week? Every day of the week, almost, I'm talking to a person who decides that what they have to say or their, them getting across the street is more important than what I have to say or me getting across the street. And it's like when we perpetuate that shit, this, this is where we end up. This is where we end up. When, and, and you can be mad because he decided to wear socks that have, you know, cops as pigs. It's, on just only, it's only people of color's patriotism and loyalty to America that get questioned. Oh, yeah. If you looked at the Olympics... Half the white athletes didn't have their hands over their hearts. They, you know, they're not saying, they're looking up in the thing, they're thinking about, you know, their game, they're thinking about the bitch they're going to fuck or, like, the ribs they're going to eat later. Because, you know what, that's their right as an American to do. And the people who have gone across on enemy soil to fight for their right to do that, they've gone to fight for their right to do that. They haven't gone to fight for them to behave the way you wish Mm -hmm. them to behave. It's the same thing. Being like a woman of color in this country is infuriating from the top to the bottom because it's like you're dealing with white people of all kinds who want to tell you the way it should be and the way it is because of the way they feel about it. You're dealing with men of all kinds wanting to tell you this. And then you're dealing with, you know, other women deciding how you should behave because of how it might reflect them, mm-hmm. of how it makes them feel about themselves. Enter Lena Dunham. Enter, um, what's the chick? Amy Schumer. Yes, I was going to say the like, oh, I'm funny and quirky and half fat, but not really. Yes, um, that is so like, problematic. <laughs> I'm so over the shit. I'm so over the pretend oppression. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Some people are dealing with like real shit and no one has time for your like complaints about just normal life. Like, get over yourself. Get over yourself. What Colin Kaepernick does has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. He's still playing the game. Like, I mean, he, like, it's not, it's nothing to write home about right now, Colin's game. I love him. God bless him. He's hot <laughs> and he performed beautifully for a hot second. And I think he's talented. I don't know what happened, but I think he's talented. But, like, it doesn't affect you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect you. So let it go. Let it go or join the fight. So that was our crazy what the fuck segment. If you guys want to let us know what you think, please feel free to comment on Facebook or SoundCloud or wherever you guys know. You guys know how it goes. Um, But for this week, we actually went a little bit back to basics and actually went to an event uh, for our explore. So we went to a book signing of Awesomely Lovey's, aka Lovey Ajay's book. I'm judging you, the Do Better Manual, which 
Um, we talked about way back when in one of our first episodes where Dondry had her as Broad of the Week. And the event was in Brooklyn at, the, at St. Francis College. And Crystal from The Read moderated the conversation with Lavi. And it was really great. Um, I have a few thoughts about it. But um, I'll let you go first, Dondry. It was hilarious. Lovey is so funny. She she's so quick. quick. She's like so quick witted. She totally she's, is, and she's so incredibly modest, mm-hmm. um, which is really beautiful. She was really engaging to the audience. She was really so um, giving um, as far as her advice, and she was really straightforward. And she gave Crystal lots of props, which was also really beautiful to mm-hmm. see the sisterhood between those two women. Um, was really, really great. And I was really happy to have a chance to be there for it. It's interesting that that's your interpretation of it because while, while you saw modesty, I saw, I mean, it was modest um, because a lot of the times, basically, listeners, when Crystal would ask Lovey a question, sometimes Lovey would kind of defer back to Crystal. Um, and for me, like, I read that as modesty, but I also saw it as a way like one of the many ways that like we women of color like won't acknowledge or like take hold of our accomplishments and I don't know if you kind of felt that um because I feel like in some moments Lovey was like hell yeah like I gave out a lot of free content and it was time to monetize and that's why I started doing this book and that's when I started doing branded content and this and that um but it was interesting to see like this woman who has literally built her her own empire from like the bottom up still experience this thing that like I mean she is a regular woman but that many of us women women of color have to deal with where it's like why don't we just take credit where credit is due and like own what we've done did well, you read did you and I didn't did, feel that no, way I, I totally, felt that way I totally didn't feel that way because she talked about um finally reaching six figures and how for her that was a um like as like a version of success right and when she first started talking she talked about how you have to kind of get over that imposter syndrome you have to kind of get over being like me no not me um and so I felt like I really just felt like that was kind of who she is I've noticed in other interviews and even when she's tweeting and when she's on the red carpet Mm -hmm. that's just sort of who she is she's kind of like oh this person this person's doing this really Mm -hmm. really amazing thing and for me it was more like it seemed to me more like yes like you guys are here for me um you know we're reading this book but like Look, Crystal does this other thing. It's not she's not just a mm-hmm. podcaster. She's also a writer. Mm-hmm. She also works for this. You know, um, I I'm, I read it more as in the way women of color Support. have to kind of mm-hmm. reach down and pick other people. Not that Crystal's like lower, but you know what I mean. That you reach across mm-hmm. and you grab. No, no man left behind, mm-hmm. right? Like, you grab someone else and you say, look at this person, too. And like she even said, you know, she's like, yeah, I told an editor about you. Yeah. Um, she seemed... One thing I will say for her is that she actually seemed very confident in herself, mm-hmm. confident in her work, and very confident also in her shortcomings and, like, the fact that she's late and, like, the, yeah. and the fact that she, you know, like, was like, oh, my God, like, I'm 10 minutes late and that is so fucked up. Um... I felt that she was like so relatable in that way, and that was really great to hear that someone can be 
type A and crazy and confident, but also still so human in mm-hmm. all of those ways. Um, so for me, I like I. It was really, it was like a really inspiring yeah. to see her um, interact that way with Crystal. And it was more, it, now that you mention it, it's funny because I felt like Crystal more so was being like, no, it's about you. It's like, it's that's true, yeah. Instead of being like, yeah, I am a writer and I am this mm-hmm. and, and I have done this. And, you know, um, and I get why she was doing that. She was like, this is your event. Mm-hmm. But um, she seemed much more shy about taking that that mm-hmm. title of writer which is and I yeah I, I see completely what you're saying and I guess that was just like my interpretation of it but I com- I also see the reading of like actually they run in like similar circles like they're doing like really amazing things because they're using their platform to voice you know their opinions and like bring attention to all these different issues so I completely see that but overall I was really inspired to I think that a lot of the things that she was saying really spoke to me and I think to us as collaborators absolutely because she was talking a lot about consistency and how it, it everybody's like making content everybody's a writer everybody's this but like is your shit good and like that's really what is going to set you apart and that's going to like ultimately be the thing that's going to help you succeed and it was a lot of food for thought it was just really great like I love stories where women especially like women of color like literally just build their shit from scratch because she was like at one point in a situation which both of us are in now which is working full-time and trying to hustle on the side and she made hard decisions along the way but she ended up ultimately like committing so hard to her writing that now she has a book published and like a blog that got so many views and this and that and like and she's on there with oprah and fucking and so rhymes i know it's unreal she was on oprah's like um, list of 100 uh, what like leaders game to affect change, change some, yeah some something change. like that something that we are not on that we will be on yeah it was a great list right full of great people um, but yeah I loved how she owned her her flaws as well as like the things that she's good at and she was like yeah I am late and actually like the first chapter of the book like she just basically talks about how like all Nigerians are late and she's like <laughs> I don't care if you think that I'm being stereotypical like it's true and if you find me one person who isn't then they're the exception and not there <laughs> it was really funny um that's that's but, really funny yeah and I walked away with I think feeling a lot more confident in what I'm doing and what we're doing as a team and just trying to find ways to make it even better. It was, you know, the other thing that was interesting to me, and I thought that this this also may be another reason why she was occasionally, occasionally um, deflecting when it came to her answers. I found that a lot during the Q&A period with the audience, a lot of the questions were basically like, so how do I do what you do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't in, answer in, that. In as many words, it was kind of like, so say hypothetically you have a following. And Side you have- note, that is my biggest pet peeve when I go to events and people like want to make the questions like I wrote this newspaper article I got it's, pu- it's, it's like so nobody cares annoying. about your story and right it's now like the, it's I found that it, there's one of those people at least one at every one of these type of events like even always. when we went to the panel and it was like you know it's just there's always that person that's like 
please tell me, you know, give me like the magic beans mm-hmm. that you used to grow this thing. And I did notice that in those moments, she would be like, make sure your shit's good. Also, Crystal's a writer. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm not, like, we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. She was basically like, I did the work. Yeah. And my shit's good. And I did the work. And I knew what I was worth. Mm-hmm. That is another thing when she's like, you know, you have to make sure that when you come to them with that number that you mm-hmm. want, that you're worth that number that they want. Yeah. And I, j- I loved it. I just loved that she she really um, has that confidence to be like, this is the number. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna deliver and you're gonna pay me. Yeah, that was one of the things that I really loved and I'm still thinking about because talking about money is such an uncomfortable thing for so many people. And at some point one of the audience members asked her a question. Oh, they asked her when did she know that she like had reached success or that she was successful? And her answer was basically, I knew that I reached success or a form of it when I hit that six figure you know, dollar amount. And I don't know if you felt it, but I feel like everybody in the audience was like stunned because like that wasn't the answer that they were expecting. Mm -hmm. Like something that is so basic and simple and black and white as like, and honest. And honest. Yeah. It's just like the the number on the check, like the number sitting in my bank account. Once that money got deposited, like that was, I was it like success. That's it. And that really stayed with me because I feel that we do live in a world where Women, women of color, people of color, it's so hard for us to assert ourselves in the workplace and let people know this is our worth. This is, you want me to do a job for you. Okay, I can do it at this figure, at this set amount. And for her to just be so like, confident in herself and just straight up say like, okay, well, this is the money that you have to pay me if you want me to do A, B, and C. I just, I was really awestruck by that because we could all take, you know, a page out of her book, literally, um, about how to stand up for ourselves and advocate for ourselves when it comes to money and finances of all kinds, because that's why women of color, like get paid less than white women than men do because like men first of all people assume that they can do the job for some reason like way better than women can and they will ask and they assume that they can do the job yes exactly I currently work with an individual who is the only male um, on our management team he is the most mediocre in every way and is actually um, not very good at his job the rest of us kill it we're very different but we kill it in our different ways and he is 100% the one who has the most um confidence in his abilities like not that like, like the rest of us don't but he's like oh he he's reaching out to all these other jobs he's reaching for the stars he's reaching for jobs that we're all like his ass ain't qualified for that but you know what he's getting offers Mm -hmm. for these jobs for money that is if you believe it for what we know his skill level to be and instead of hating on him for that i'm like damn i need to get a little bit more white man in me Mm -hmm. in my day to day 
Walk around with the confidence of a mediocre white man. I swear to God, I'm going to start wearing a suit under my shit like a, a bulletproof vest because Lord knows they just be walking around. Cocky ain't mm-hmm. doing nothing. Like, and every woman knows everybody has met Cocky ain't doing nothing. Um, there's a million of them. <laughs> there's one on every damn street corner. And it's it's always it's always shocking. And so and. Of why shouldn't she make six figures? Mm-hmm. Like she has her imprint. Everything that she does is so beautifully branded. It's so it's brilliant. so specific. It's so specific. It's hilarious. It is intelligent, and she still manages to maintain self. And I loved that she talked about taking that job where it was like, oh, the money was going to be good, and it was going to be yeah, and I can do my day to day, and then I can have my benefits, and okay. And but she dis- discusses that feeling of like wanting to slide off her chair because she felt like the walls were closing in on her, and she was like, I can't do this. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to write. And I loved her saying that because I so often have that feeling in the workplace where I'm like this might be actually physically killing me like for real for real like this might be why my body is resisting my life Mm -hmm. and so often we say but the benefits but the this and Mm -hmm. it's like what about the benefit to being how much are you going to be how much are you willing to compromise and for what and for what? what yeah and for what I think about that every day I'm like if today was the day where I would not see the sun again, would I be pleased with the way that I've spent this day? And so often the answer is fuck no. Yeah. And like I'm trying to get more toward yes, yes I would. Yeah, one step at a time. And hopefully reading the Do Better manual will help us out with that. Yes, yes. Let Lovey judge you. Yes, thank you Lovey for writing an awesome book. I'm so excited to get in and read it but I'm on a Game of Thrones binge at the moment so I got you lovey I got you. <laughs> one thing at a time <laughs> so that was our explore segment y'all and it'll be the last one for quite some time so we hope that you enjoyed listening to us talk about um, this conversation between lovey and crystal and we hope that you go and check out lovey's book um so Elizabeth who's your bride of the week I'm so excited for this Brat of the Week. Um, my Brat of the Week is Melissa Villaseñor, who is the first Latina cast member to join SNL. I am so pumped. I started watching SNL like moons ago, and I feel like it was at a prime for quite some time, like... When I was, you know, I feel like everybody thinks that their SNL is like the best version because that's the version that they grew up with. But really, you know, in these past few years, there has not been much um, that they have put out that has really grabbed my attention. Every now and then, I'll watch a skit. But now I'm just like, oh my god, how crazy is it that it's 2016 like, and you were just possible? getting your first Latina? Like, what? How is this it? is crazy? When I read that, I was. Equal parts stoked and stunned. I was just like, how is this possible? Especially because there's so many funny Latinas and Latinos on TV TV and always have been that it's kind of like, I guess it just never occurred to me because, once again, it's that frame of reference Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, are you being reflected? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, 
how is it possible? I'm so stoked. I can't believe it. I mean, granted, they're taking the brown people, like the, the black people off. Um, it's all, right, they just they, can't, all, they can't, they can't have, have too, too many. many. <laughs> they can't have too many. But um, I'm really excited, and I can't wait to see what she does, and I'm really excited to hear her voice and see her sketches, and I'm crossing my fingers that they don't do stupid stereotypical I mean bullshit, they probably will which I know they probably will but I'm just hoping that they don't yeah and I could not be more excited for yeah, her yeah I'm so I'm just like ready I'm like when does it premiere like when can I see her I can't wait because I've actually I've never heard of her before but I'm not really like that big in the comedy world I just pretty much know Melissa Diaz you know we interviewed Melissa. her no biggie um, but she's been a comedian for my phone is possessed. Okay. Yours. It just literally started face Uh We got really excited, Melissa. This is what you do to me. You set my phone off. Um, but so I'm not really familiar with her work because I'm not really that big in the comedy world, but she's been around for like 10 years doing so much work. She was one of the finalists on America's Got Talent, which is like a really big deal. You know, that's like a really big filtering process. And if you make it to like the top 16, that's so big. Um, and she does voices for Adventureland, which is Adventure Times, not Adventure, Adventure Times, which is a really big cartoon, it popular is. amongst like adults as much as it is for children. And I was looking her up, watching a few of her videos, and she is hilarious and does crazy impressions, Thondry. Like she, um, there was a list that went around, I think Remesra did, and like they just kind of broke down like her top ten impressions. She did everything from J Lo to Mickey Mouse, to Owen Wilson. She did, like, the best Owen Wilson. It was so outrageous. That's I have to show amazing. you after. And just, you know, her voice, her demeanor, She she's going to be a great addition to, to SNL. Wait. So oh, you guys yeah. should all make sure to check her out, subscribe to her on YouTube, follow her on Twitter, give her some love, because this is a really big historical moment. SNL has been around for like 30 years now and the fact that this is the first Latina to join the cast that is a re- this is a really significant moment so you all should make sure to support her and let her know that she is welcome and that we are happy to have her on like this really on the biggest comedy show in the world yeah get it girl Woo! um but who's your broad my broad of the week is actually Crystal West. Um, oh, I, I I have such a girl crush on her. Love her so much, and I always have. Um, ever since I started listening to the read, I was really into um, her voice. A because she's from Oklahoma. Really? So, yeah. So she she. I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, as you know, and they they used to call like the area that I'm from like Southern Oklahoma, like because you know it was this whole thing about how like we're not really part of Louisiana. I won't get into that because it's bullshit. But <laughs> her accent is um, real. It's like home for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like listening to I love listening to her talk because I love that she is so incredibly intelligent, but she's still so much mm-hmm. herself. Um, I love that she doesn't give a shit about being nice because so many women are like are they gonna like me am I being nice Mm -hmm. is this okay and she doesn't give a shit and it's really amazing to um listen to a woman every week who is funny super opinionated and doesn't give a shit what you think Mm -hmm. um and I so I already really liked her from the read and then she got 
pretty famous doing uh you guys can youtube this she told off this white guy who was trying oh my to god it's so good to her about like why she shouldn't be offended by sarah silverman's uh blackface, blackface. and she ripped him a whole new asshole like patched a new one on and then ripped that one off like she was not here for it and I was so here for everything that she had to say. So that blew up. And then she, you know, did Drunk History. She's on Mm. Uncommon Sense. Um, She is just so funny. And she's also a writer. And it was really nice to, like I said, hear the two of them, like, really just be there for each other Mm. and love what each other does. And, And there's no competition there. It's all love. And there's always, you know, when it comes to women, there's always this idea that there has to be this like cattiness or there has mm-hmm. to be this competition or there has to be like the the us versus them and you can't be you can't just l- love each other shine and what's so ironic about that is that women of color specifically the ones that I know that's what we're all about what mm-hmm. we're all about is giving each other shine empowering and, one and empowering one another and supporting one another and um, Crystal is not a typical like your typical voice that you get to hear you don't typically get to hear someone who is going to tell you like it is is going to tell you they don't give a fuck about what you're talking about Mm -hmm. is going to tell you that you're not going to affect their opinion by screaming louder Mm -hmm. um and specifically in the region of country where we're from you know you're used to people telling you what's okay to think and what's not okay to think what's okay to say and what's not okay to say and she's just broken through all of those barriers um i love that she's a queer woman i love that she's a a happy um very vocal queer woman i love that she's a woman who um is not in a relationship and is not in any like rush to be like oh i'm a part of this particular collective she likes what she likes she likes who she likes and she knows that she's worth waiting for Mm -hmm. that um and i just love i love everything about her and also she's so hot Um, oh my gosh she's she's been very getting it and she looks good and i love her i was really impressed with her when we saw lovey because I had seen that clip that you mentioned. Um, I think you showed me that actually, and that's and you had always always talked about the read. Um, but like I said, I just there's only so many hours in the day, so many hours that I can dedicate to listening to podcasts, and I feel like what seeing her in person just is really motivating me to go and check out her work because it's true 100% what you say like she has a very distinct voice and it takes a lot of guts to be like I am going to now be someone who's pretty much like in I would say in the public eye like not to the level of like Kim Kardashian but she has a really big fan base a really big audience who's tuning into what she has to say and to actively be like I'm gonna be myself and give my uncensored opinion and I don't give a fuck what you have to say about it that takes a lot of thick skin that not everybody has like I go around all the time like oh I don't give a shit what this person says oh I don't really care about their opinion but I'm also a very emotional and vulnerable person and like nobody likes to hear bad shit said about them and so it's it just it really she's impressed me a lot and I'm just like I need to learn more about you I need to read and you know hear more of your work because she's definitely somebody to keep an eye out on um so 
everybody, keep an eye out for Crystal. You can go to her website, crystal.com, and it tells you a lot about her. You get the idea immediately upon seeing her eat <laughs> watermelon amongst a bunch of white people. It's really great. Um, and Crystal, thanks for being my broad of the week. Ooh, yeah, for broads. And so, Dondre, now we're moving on into our final segment of our final episode uh-huh. of the season. Where did you find your root this week? I found my root this week in reading. I am currently preparing for Harry Potter <laughs> trivia. Oh, are you going to listen? That? We're going. Oh my I god! I was going to talk to you about this. But you this. just uh, you're, listen I'm to gonna me. I'm going to fail so badly. Listen to me. <laughs> I am putting together a team of all people of color, and Ooh. we will triumph, and we will kick Harry Potter trivia ass on October 3rd. I love this Hell idea. House, right? I really want women of color specifically. If you want to be on the team, girl, you get it together. Okay. Get it together. Okay, I will. We can I will. do this. We need to represent Holy all shit. houses and all women, and we will take this shit like the gold, okay? I was inspired okay. by the Olympics. We can do this. October 3rd, you have plenty okay, of time. like the goblet. You have time. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> I found my root in my incredibly nerdy uh, attempt to prepare for Harry Potter trivia. So I found out about it, and I was like, you know what? I could get lost in a magical world right now. So last Tuesday, I was like, I'm going to start reading the Harry Potter series. I am now finishing the seventh you today. You cray, girl. You cray. I have problems. Um, and then I'm reading Cursed Child for Good Measure because the trivia only covers the first seven books. But um, they're the original. Because they're, they're the, the original. Rigid. You know, they OG. So <laughs> that is where I found my root. And I feel very rooted in the world. I wish that was my root. That is so beautiful. <laughs> I, I need to do that. I just am overwhelmed with the prospect of like trying to read stuff for the future versus like rereading things listen books are forever i know and harry potter is forever it's forever always always Always. oh my god i stopped on the train anyway (laughs) like i read i reread that part on the train on the way up here and was just like there was a little kid sleeping next to me and i was just sobbing (laughs) like an ass i I, there's something very weirdly therapeutic about crying in public because nobody in New York gives a shit. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. <laughs> the old lady sitting in front of me was like half kind of looking at me crazy and then she was like, whatever. Nobody is going to ask you. No one's going to interrupt you. Like, they just don't give a shit. So it's really the perfect time to be crazy and <laughs> yes, cry. Yes, Um But um, I found my route this week in walks, um, which sounds like something really simple and basic. But I feel like as New Yorkers, we're always walking to somewhere, from somewhere, trying to get here, trying to get there. And for me, I try to exercise every day, you know, that I'm in the office. I haven't, you know, a desk job to go outside for an hour and walk. And I will go to the park. I will listen to a podcast. I will call up my mom. I'll call up my grandma in Miami. I will like go through my phone and call people or I will listen to music or I'll walk and then I'll sit and read. And last week, you know, I came back from Um, I came back from vacation and then I was in the office for one day and then it was Labor Day weekend and then I came back and it was a short week and I just feel like there was so much to catch up on that I 
really guilted myself into staying in the office to catch up on emails and to do, you know, answer phone calls and to do this and to do that. And this week I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's beautiful outside. I am not going to be productive if I don't go outside and it's, you know, it's lovely. It's sunny and it's, I mean, today was super hot, but it was cooling off for a bit and I have to go outside and walk. And so they have been really meditative and, you know, just therapeutic and I love them. And I suggest that everybody goes on walks and that's really where I found my route because I was able to take time for myself. I was alone. I wasn't on the train surrounded by people. I wasn't at work in my office. I wasn't at home in my apartment. I was outside in as much nature as you can possibly surround yourself in being in New York. And I was doing something for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, everybody should take more walks. I will say that when you first said that you found your route in walks, I thought you meant walks as in cooking walks. And I was like, <laughs> oh, are you making like cool Asian fusion uh, no, dinners? No, that's on my list that you're going to walk. <laughs> walks are bomb, like, which I was going to say. <laughs> I, <laughs> now I wish that was my, my mom route. Got had a walk when she was younger and I played with it and I like fell in love with cooking by walk so walks and walks are both therapeutic in different ways and you guys should get into them both of them um so that's where we found our route and now it's um pretty much the end of the show which it's is so really hard to sad. say goodbye but we're not saying goodbye we're saying see you later on the flip later but you guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, in the meantime, uh, to find out what Elizabeth's doing, make sure you visit her website, www.thatswhatee.com. And you can see what Dondry is up to by visiting her site, www.dondryburnham.com. Make sure to follow our Broadroots pages. Uh, We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can visit our SoundCloud to listen to our episodes. You can email us at broadroots at gmail.com. And we hope that you guys reach out during our hiatus to let us know what it is that you want from us, what you want to hear about, uh, who you want to hear from, so that we can start curating something really special for you all. This episode was produced by us, Elizabeth Estrada and Dondre Burnham with original music by Tiara Williams. And remember that when it comes to empowerment and visibility, wear your broads. Till next time, guys, visit our pages so that you can stay updated as to when we'll be coming back. Ta-ta. Bye. And it's, I'm totally tearing up right now because it's so it, sad. It. it. And when he gets back and he gets that mirror and he's just like, and he's holding it I and know. he just realizes that like he was finally about to have like a home and then he's not going to have a home. <sighs> Dobby fucked me up also. Oh, I Dobby. was like, oh my God, that, that was earlier today was Dobby. And I'm already almost done. Like, it, 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 it fucked me up. We were watching The Price is Right. And, <laughs> and you were reading? I, I read while watching television, which is also problematic for Tiara. But um, it, like, totally fucked me up. I was just like, 
sobbing again and I was like fucking Dobby like ride oh, or die like, like so right ride or die, ride or die. <sighs> I love Dobby oh. house elves house elf 